you reached out a while ago and said that you'd be open to getting a coaching session, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And I think it's like, it's interesting um, because it's very, I guess it's different. Are you, so are you still interested in getting a coaching session? Like, cause that's different than just like talking about things. Like, do you, do you I feel think like for you me, need to be honest with you? I don't think I need a coaching session. I think it's more, I need somebody to talk to that can validate or correct um, my perspective if it's okay. skewed one way or another. And also I find it easier that I learn better and it resonates better if I can relate to somebody with respect to feelings or what I'm going through. It seems to be, it makes me feel much less alone. So, yeah. um, so I guess really it's more talking than anything else, even though you're a neuroscientist and psychologist and I have some knowledge in that area too. So those components do play in sometimes, but it's not the central focus of when we talk typically. Right. Okay. Um, I, okay. Let's, I like this. And it's funny that you say you don't need a coaching session per se, because I actually think a big part of coaching is just like, get like being a soundboard and hearing things and not like, we don't have to make big action plans. Like, yeah, like just hearing what other people have to say and, and having an extra brain <laughs> listening to your brain. Right? That's right. If somebody's yeah. perspective is outside of my reality, outside of my world that I live in on the daily, it's good yeah. to get those perspectives because sometimes we get so wrapped up in our own stuff, we're not seeing anything else, right? We just get this, I think it's called myopic lens where it's just yeah. all all us, so... Yeah. So, but I understand what you mean with coaching. There's a lot of coaching sessions that I have done previously and there's no game plan or anything at the end of it. It's, it's literally, you know, what's going on in your life and what can I do to support and help you make small changes that'll make you feel better towards what you want basically. And just go from there. Yeah. So why don't you start with telling me what's like, what's going on? Um, You said a lot. Yeah. A lot of stuff, right? (laughs) Well, let's pick one thing. <laughs> we can, um, but they might all be related. Oh, probably. They're all related, yeah. They're all interrelated. I'd say the biggest thing, even though we haven't done an updated podcast, and even though my second podcast on Mandy Land was very much filled with profanity, and I don't remember much of it, um, I've been off work um, permanently now, so I'm considered permanently disabled per government okay. whoever i'm i'm not able to work any occupation okay and which so is that, good it, it's a good it's a good designation now right like you don't have to keep fighting for yes i don't have to keep fighting the insurance company um so typically when you go on long term disability the initial 24 months that you're on it um they try to attempt to do a return back to work during that period because after that 24 month period the definition of disability changes per their requirements. And so to be considered disabled from working any occupation, you have to meet their definition. And so what happened in, this is 2019, June, June of 2018, um, I had attempted a return to work that May 
And I did okay till I got up to, and so a gradual return to work is a few hours every week that slowly increases over time with responsibility and duties increasing over time to kind of ease you back into the workplace because you've been absent for a couple of years. So it can be feel overwhelming, especially with mental health conditions, obviously. Um, so I did pretty good. I made it up to about 16 hours a week. And um, the issue I was having was that I was struggling because I was getting up in the morning most of my hours were in the morning because that's when I perform best and getting up and going to work that that wasn't a problem but what I was finding I was so over exhausted after working three or four hours a day that I wasn't able to get any regular chores done like just regular household chores or regular you know pick up some groceries or whatever and I found that my mental health felt like it was declining again because I was feeling so overwhelmed and I felt so overwhelmed with nothing. Like, it's not like it was, you know, I needed to go climb Mount Everest. I needed to do a load of laundry and I couldn't bring myself to do it or whatever the case was. So, so I had made the decision um, to stop working. I wasn't able to complete the gradual return to work. And because I wasn't able to complete that, then what the insurance company does is um, they cut off your services. So if they're paying for you to see a psychologist or paying for covering any services, they, they cut those off, um, which I knew was going to happen anyway, which is fine because I had already had 42 sessions with a psychologist and I was no further ahead. And she basically said the same thing, like, this isn't helping you. Um, which I knew cause I had, I've been in therapy since I was 19, I'm 43. So I have some experience with types of therapy, but, um, Unfortunately, due to the reports from the occupational therapist and the psychologist I was seeing, um, the insurance company I was dealing with uh, did not accept that I was not able to work and they felt that I was able to resume duties as of like the next week, basically, as far as they were concerned. So. It was, a, it was a big ordeal because I had to appeal it. I had to fight that. And then on top of that, because they still were, um, I, I don't want to say not believing me, but I guess they did feel there was enough evidence to prove I was disabled from working any occupation. So they scheduled an independent psychiatric exam. So I had to go see an independent psychiatrist even though I've had my own psychiatrist for 11 years and he has written numerous letters to them and provided everything they wanted, I guess they didn't want to rely on that. So they wanted an independent <clears throat> psychiatric evaluation, which I had to do. Can I stop you for one second? Absolutely. Is this what you want to be talking about right now? I was just trying to go chronological. I know. <laughs> and it's great. And it's filling in a lot of blanks but is this what you want to be talking about right now? No. Okay. What I want to talk about right now is that, so I thought this summer, like I thought that I've been doing okay. Um, I don't feel a hundred percent or really great or anything, but I've been having um, the last month or two, I've been having acute stress reactions and I didn't know they were acute stress reactions. I thought it was just maybe really bad anxiety attack. Um, 
So essentially what was happening is uh, there'd be like some psychosocial conflict or perceived conflict on, on my end. And, um, mm. and then my body goes into a traumatic response. So my whole body starts shaking. Um, I can't think clearly. Uh, I can't calm down. Um, like literally all my limbs, everything vibrates. And so it's distressing that way because trying to manage that on my own with meditation, Reiki or whatever I can do to try to calm myself. You know, one day it took me seven and a half hours to calm down and it just seemed really unreasonable. And I'm like, I don't think I can maintain that. And so I asked my psychiatrist about it and he said that it's an acute stress reaction. And so um, that's kind of what I'm contending with now. And I had to ask him, uh, even though they made me suicidal last time I took them, I had to ask him for anti-anxiety medication um, because I can't take seven and a half hours out of my day to try to calm myself down. So yeah. on a regular basis. Totally. So that's a bit of a struggle right now. And it also is bringing up a whole bunch of other stuff. So it's intense. It's very, I find it very intense. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, I guess that's kind of kind of what I'm struggling with right now is is the thought that I was sort of doing okay and I thought I was plugging along all right and then to start having acute stress reactions make me question how I'm perceiving my own mental health and whether I'm seeing it clearly or if I'm you know kind of wearing gray colored glasses looking at it now I don't know or if I'm just not noticing so it sounds like what the worry is that you thought you were doing well and then this happened and you're like, oh shit, I yeah. guess I'm not doing well. Yeah, well, that's kind of how it feels, right? Because it's it's adding something else onto what I'm already dealing with. So it kind of, it takes that aspect of anxiety just so much further out than I was hoping it had to be. Are these totally new reactions? Like, have you do you ever remember a time having these? Um, I had these type of reactions to a, um, a stronger extent uh, uh, sexually assaulted when I was 16. Okay. Um, and so after that, I had, I didn't know at the time, but I'm pretty sure I had PTSD. So I had a lot of traumatic symptoms and they were very, very similar to this. So, okay. yeah. Okay. I have a question. What if, um, so your thought is like, the two options are you were, you were doing well um, and then you weren't or you misunderstood whether you were doing well, like you misperceived that and you actually haven't been doing well. Yeah. Um, is, there a pos is there like other possibilities in there? Like, is it possible that, for example, that you are doing well and that these reactions represent something else and not necessarily um, like a, that you're going backwards? Yeah, it's entirely possible. And I have considered that because um, there have been a lot of kind of epiphanies in the last couple of months, a lot of anger kind of coming to the surface. And it's all about my past. Um, and really, I can kind of categorize it as all the things I wasn't, didn't feel I was able to express when I was growing up. 
and even as an adult, even if, a, if there was even something in the workplace. So it's kind of all the stuff that I stuffed down and, and was told it wasn't important. Um, but for me, it's important. And so now that's all kind of coming to the surface. So there's a lot of anger and other things coming up and anger at memories or just anger that isn't attached to anything. It's, it's anger that's attached to repetitive patterns in my life that, um, put me down or, or where I had to repress something or where I was seen as, you know, disruptive, um, it's all as those types of things. So unfortunately, that's primarily like relationships with men, workplace problems. Um, so I just found like, even health wise, that stuff was coming up because growing up, I was told there was nothing wrong with me. It's all in your head. She just wants attention, whatever the case is. So you're hearing this for 20 some years. You do believe it for sure. And, um, and then to come to the point where I realized, I'm like, I don't want people to tell me what to do anymore. <laughs> I'm very, very tired of listening to other people. I'm tired of listening to doctors, psychiatrists, life insurance, and doing everything that everybody else wants me to do because that's what's supposed to be good for me. And so there's just a lot of anger attached to all of that. And so I've been really emotional the last month or two, which is unlike me because I am not typically, I don't typically allow myself to be emotional. So it's cathartic in a way. I'm not saying it's worst case scenario and I'm rock bottom because I certainly am not. It's just another aspect to deal with that I don't feel fully capable of dealing with it at the moment because I'm still trying to adjust to being 43 and not being able to work. I'm still trying to adjust to not being able to do all the things I used to be able to do in the run of a day. Um, So it's just a lot of big adjustments in a short period of time. And I think that's why I'm so overwhelmed. Yeah. Which is understandable. I know. But it's just taxing on my brain and my body. Mm -hmm. Um, When I hear you talk like this, to me it doesn't sound like you really think that you're doing bad mentally, um, but that it looks like it on paper. Yeah. Is that accurate? Yes. And the only reason that I don't feel that I'm doing really, really poorly is because I'm still maintaining my self Reiki practice every morning and meditation and as much I try to do, it's about two hours every day that I try to commit to, um, to to teaching myself to relax. And um, I think that's the only thing that is holding me together is that regular practice. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm grateful for it. Do you think that your Reiki practice is at all connected to these things that are happening, like the acute stress response or stress reaction? Um, yeah, I think that I'm probably experiencing some spiritual development on some spiritual level and that that's opening things that maybe I wasn't ready to see yet or ready to deal with. So there's, I guess, a lot of stuff coming to the surface would be a good way to put it. Um, 
And I think that, I don't think, I mean, it's not a, the feeling of having the acute stress reaction is awful, but the, where I am with it mentally, it doesn't feel as bad as like you said, it looks on paper, I guess. Because mm-hmm. really I could take the view, okay, well I have treatment resistant major depressive disorder, social anxiety, general anxiety, and now let's add acute stress reactions to it right? Like I can just keep adding to that and I can just live like that, but I don't want to because that's how I've always lived and that doesn't serve me well. Mm-hmm. I need to change my perspective of me. So. Yeah, totally. So it's just like something else that's getting added on. It's just a whole bunch of shifting. And so I've, all, but I've noticed good things happening too, which is shifting more to understanding that my self-worth is internal. It is not external even though my pattern is to always place it externally. So it's just slowly learning those things. And I'm trying to learn to choose myself and my health as a priority every day. And I find that really challenging to do Mm -hmm. because I'm not used to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm guessing that it's probably challenging because like a big part of your mental health management is that you, I mean, you have to control as much in your environment as you can. And so shifting out of anything, any comfort, like you rely on routine and comfort and stability, like, and to shift out of that means you have to let go of a little bit. Like, I don't know why this is happening. How do I stop this from happening or whatever? And you don't have space for new things to happen to you. Right. And also, too, I've socially isolated myself to the point where I literally hardly talk to anybody. I don't really see anybody. You know, I can go months without seeing a friend. So that's not helping either, right? So I'm also trying to sort of work on that as well so that I can have some um, good support systems uh, in place so that I can maintain some mental health stability as well. So it's kind of all these little pieces and I'm trying to work a little bit on all of them at the same time. So it's just, like you said, there's not a lot of room for, for new stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you know that we've talked in different realms about how like a lot of, I think, and I think you agree that some of the stuff that, that comes up is, is the gift of yours that is manifesting in a way that's not adaptive mm-hmm. to, to life or your life or the way we live or whatever. Can you see any of what's happening to you as a gift that's really hard to manage? I can. And the only way I see it as a gift and how I try to look at all the stuff that I feel that I've been through that was challenging and hard for me um, through my lived experience with it. Um, The gift I try to see from it is what is it teaching me and will I be able to take this experience and hopefully share it at some point and be able to help somebody else because I can't be the only one person out of 7.7 billion people in the world that have a hard time with society or we have a hard time with depression or anxiety or whatever. So there's got to be somebody else out there that also is going through something similar or may eventually go through something similar that <clears throat> I'm, you know, hopefully I could help one. 
It's just helping right. one, helping one person yeah. makes a big difference. I have a strong feeling that I need to help. I've always felt that way. I can't get rid of it. I've tried. I just I always want to help. It's just that I need to learn not to help at the detriment of my own health and wellness. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's great. I mean, I, I know you have that desire to want to help. I actually meant though, like even before you get to like the whole cluster of things being like, you know, a gift that you can then turn back into helping other people, like even that, the acute um, stress reactions, like, is there something that's unique about you and how your mind works and how your body works or your emotions or anything that allowed that to happen? So those reactions come up um, that it, it maybe could be flipped into like, that's actually a skill of yours, something in there. Is there a skill in there, but that's the reaction that you took or that your body had to that? That's interesting. <clears throat> when I... Th- think about that I guess the first thing that comes to my mind is more I I, when I'm going through the actual acute stress reaction I'm actually thinking like why have I done this to myself why have I buried all this crap like oh my god this feels horrible (laughs) and it's just it's hard to find a gift within that when the level of discomfort is exponential um, because sometimes it also feels like I'm having a heart attack. I know I'm not, but it feels like I am. So I um, those things get my mind going and then I'm off on a thought train of, you know, oh, I can't breathe, oh, this or that. And I just make things worse than they need to be. Okay. What about what you're actually reacting to? Like you're not react. You said you're reacting to psychosocial conflict. Yep. Like what, what are the things you're, re- like you, d- you don't have to, you can if you want, but to tell me exactly the situation, but like, what, what's the pattern of the things you're reacting to? Because your body's reacting to something and you react to things all the time. Yeah. You are a reactive person. And I don't mean that in any negative yeah. way. I think, and you, this is what I mean. Like I've said this to you before, this is your, your gift. It's like your intelligence mm-hmm. is being reactive to specific things. So what, what was the nature of these things that you were reacting to? Like, Oh, um, self-worth and love. So not knowing that you deserved it and you weren't getting it. Um, frust- yeah, frustrated that I felt that I even had to ask for it. Um, yeah. Or that I even had to defend myself for it, I guess, mm-hmm. is more the angle I kind of was looking at it from. And then that would start the anger. But, it, you know, it's definitely love and self-worth for mm-hmm. sure. Right. That's what it's bringing up. Yeah, and so the reaction was a defense. You're, it was a defensive reaction. And yeah. And that, so something made you... It's like, oh my God, like I can't deal with this. This person doesn't care about me. I thought they did, but they really don't. And it's just been a ruse and I'm fooled again. And it brings up um, memories and, and past things with um, my ex-husband and things not working out with him and you know, being with somebody for 14 years and then feeling like you don't even know them. And so 
that I understand as an acute stress response, because I guess, like you said earlier, it was a type of trauma. It's not, not trauma like going to war, but it is a type. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, that's just how I react to it. But it definitely stems from self-love and self-worth. And that I think I was putting my self-worth in other people's hands and not in my own. It wasn't coming from internal. I was looking for external validation Mm -hmm. that I was worthy or deserving because I don't feel that I am. So Does that do make sense? Think, totally. Do you think that those reactions, the acute stress reactions, um, are justified in some way? Like, do you think like yes. they were signals or something that your body was saying, listen to yep. this? I do. Yeah. I think it was, I think it's my body saying like, you're 43, enough's enough. You deserve good things. And you've been trying to practice positive affirmations for a year and a half. And so maybe they're starting to kick in and it was just more realizing that I don't want to live my life in that uh, mindset anymore Mm -hmm. because it's unhealthy. Yeah. And I want to be, especially now with part of me was not being able to work. I I want to be independent. You know, I want to be um, able to look after myself and I want to ensure that that improves over time and doesn't get worse because I'm only 43. I don't want to, um, get more sick. I'd like to try to get a little bit better if possible. So I love how on one side you're like, I'm 43, like as if that's like so late. And then you just said, I'm only 43. <laughs> I know, but because it's both. It is because I feel on one hand, life is short. Get your shit together, right? Suck it up. Don't live in fear. Like I'm paralyzed by fear of everything. And it's completely irrational but I've lived my whole life that way. So it's very hard, hard to change those patterns unless you practice every day, multiple times a day. And that's taxing because I find it exhausting, but it's, oh, it's on that, like life is short, but it's oh. also, I have time. I'm trying to have a positive outlook in that I do have time to, to help myself. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm trying to do. So is it, Okay, so I'll ask this again, I guess. Yes, sorry, that- I'm not answering your question, am I? No, 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 I'm, you have been, but, so those reactions, those acute stress reactions, which you started with saying, am I sick again? Am I too sick? Am I not seeing this? And like, how is this happening? Is it possible that those reactions were actually the product of the work that you've been doing? Yes, it's possible. And there's signals to say, get the hell out of here. Like you've been down this road and it needed to like hit you over the head. Yeah. It was more saying to me, you're going to have this acute stress reaction because you're not voicing what you feel you need to voice because you're not standing up for yourself. Yeah. That's what it is. Is that I didn't, how do I say that? It's like I didn't feel like I had the strength or the voice or the self-worth or the whatever to be able to, to express my point of view of my feelings relating to any type of situation. Right. Whereas like maybe a year ago or two years ago, you would have never even had the strength to voice them. Like there was, it wasn't even like an inkling in your mind that you could voice things. Whereas now you've got to the point where 
I could voice something and maybe you didn't or whatever, but like, you know that you should. Oh, I have. You didn't even know. Okay. I have. That's like, great. I've, I've, yeah. Like overexpressing. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> I'm making up for it. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, that I mean, happens. And that's the thing is I have the acute stress reaction, but then I get really angry. Yeah, I know. So, so there's multiple things going on with this acute reaction. Like there's one thing is that, you know, it, it's, it's potentially a product of like your growth. And then there's the, like the ability to recover from it. Yeah. And that's like, that is, I don't know. Let me ask you, like, is it, is that the challenging part? Like what if you just had the acute stress re- reaction, but you didn't have to take seven hours to, re- to recover from it? Could you handle those? I could handle them <clears throat> if they didn't last any longer than an hour. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, but it is hard to handle. And like, it, I wouldn't want to be in public when it happens. Cause it's pretty evident. There's something seriously wrong when your whole body's vibrating. Like you don't want to be at the grocery store and having yeah. a fit, but, um, but yeah, I think that if it was, like an hour or less, and then that's somewhat manageable. Yeah. Because that's do what you, I do with anxiety, so. Yeah. So before these, and and not, and excluding the, like, PTSD experience that yeah. you were talking about, um, do you ever have, like, if you, are you ever in a debate with someone, and you get, like, riled up, and, like, you know, do you ever feel that? Like, this, like, just mini versions of what you're experiencing. Yeah? yeah? I do. Okay. Uh, perfect. Um, I don't know if this is an example. You can tell me if it's an example, but <clears throat> a friend of mine the other day, like I just was having a hard day and, I've, and this friend doesn't particularly um, understand mental health a lot um, just because they're not ex- ever been exposed to it really. But it was interesting that they said um, to, that I need to get out of my weakness mentality because I'm a lot stronger than that. And initially it pissed me off because I'm like, weakness? I'm not weak, you know, and I'm getting defensive. But then, but I sat with it for a few minutes and I'm like, I understand that perspective. I appreciate how they can see the perspective that way. The challenge is that depression and anxiety tell you, the opposite mm-hmm. uh, thousands of times a day in your head. So I can see how it can appear as weakness to somebody else. Whereas to me, I, I have tried not to view it as weakness because that's a trigger for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because being sick and needing help or ever needing help or asking for help to me, to me was a sign of weakness. That's what I learned growing up I don't believe that to be the case anymore but it's hard to grow out of that pattern mm-hmm. so yeah there's little things that like are like you said like a little that are setting me off and it would it did upset me initially because mm-hmm. I'm like I'm not weak when you compare that psychosocial conflict which yep. is what we can call it to the other ones that you can identify as resulting in an acute stress reaction how do yep. they compare like similar but like level like a two versus like a 12. Exactly. It's like a two versus a 12. So if it has to do with, I think 
if it has to do with my mental health, because I've had it for so long and I've heard so many different angles on it, that that's a lot easier for me to accept and dismiss and not take on as my own mm-hmm. versus love. Cause I don't truly 100% even believe that people like me. And I know that's my anxiety telling me that like I can have a friend, best friend for 15 years. It doesn't matter. I still will think occasionally they don't really like me. They don't really care. Um, and I know that's just the anxiety, but, um, it's still hard to, to believe. And so when it comes to anything having to do with loving me or caring about me or my well-being and my best interest and things, I don't really believe people have that in mind. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That doesn't sound very nice, I guess, but that's kind of the perspective I've had. Mm Mm-hmm. And I wonder also if, like, you've spent a lot of time uh, learning about mental health, um, you know, arguing for it, like, for uh, support for it, destigmatizing and all that stuff. And so you've created lots of good arguments in your mind mm-hmm. about what it is and for the people who don't understand it. So you can call those up probably pretty quickly when someone says, like, get out of your weakness mentality. Mm-hmm. And so those, like, all of that, can counteract the emotions that you're feeling. Yes. Right? Yep. Whereas you don't have those when it's about love. That's right. <laughs> that's exactly it. And that's the difference. And so yeah. one I can semi handle and the other one I can't handle at all. But the one I can't handle at all is the one I'm trying to work on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I did, I asked my psychiatrist for anti-anxieties meds even though the last time I was on them they did make me suicidal so I had to stop taking them um but I just felt I had to try something Uh, I'm not really big on medication but seven and a half hours to calm down is not okay and I think that's too hard on my body so I asked him for that even though I haven't started taking them yet because I'm I'm scared to take them uh, because I don't know how a reactor what'll happen and also too they make me really dopey so it's hard to do anything on the first week or two you're on them so I took one the other day though because I was really upset and and laid down and it knocked me out for a couple hours and I did feel calmer afterwards which was good but I'm the the goal is to be taking them a couple times a day so that there's a cumulative effect so that I'm not in that high stress state all the time right so something doesn't just set me off, you know, because I'm already way up here. This is my normal, you know? Yeah. Mm. So I'm trying to reduce that. <laughs> I know. I know you're in such a challenging situation. Cause well, I think other people are in similar situations. It's just, I just think I have a lot of emotional baggage that I haven't really ever dealt with because I was always more focused on, okay, am I going to be able to live this year? Am I going to want to be alive this year? Am I going to feel any better? Am I going to be able to eat or do I have to still force myself? Am I going to be able to, you know, shower or is that going to be force myself every four or five days because I can't bring myself to do it? So when you're down in that survival mode, for me anyway, it's very hard to see past that or beyond that with respect to self-development or anything else. So it makes it really hard to maintain any normal, what society would consider to be normal life. It just, it doesn't apply to me. It just doesn't. 
and that's okay. I know. I think, I guess the challenge I see is that I know that you are also so committed to your personal development. And I know you're, you try, you're trying so hard to get past this. Like, um, for whatever reason, I think there's, I don't know, maybe there's like this, you're a seeker, right? You're a seeker of knowledge. You're a seeker of you're curious. And so there's a part of you that is striving to transform. Yes, absolutely. And so the challenge is how do you do that? Right. While living in your current state, because I, it's right. I don't know. My perspective is that the transformation is, is going, it's going to challenge the comfort, right? Yeah, for sure. So what Absolutely. do you think? Like, like, how, do you- how, do you, how do you live in a survival type state for so long? And so when you're concerned about your basic needs, and I mean housing, you know, finances, um, all of those things, when, when, you're, when you struggle to maintain that, it's very hard to to go past that into other territory to develop because you don't even feel secure in those things. So they feel like a constant battle sitting there like, okay, am I going to have enough money next month to buy dog food? Am I going to, you know, can I make, can I pay for the repairs to my car? So it passes inspection. Nope. I can't. Well, okay. I don't have a lot of appointments, not a big deal. Worst case I could walk, you know, like I can figure something out. So it's, it's always trying to come up with all these, plan B, C, D, E, F in case something doesn't work out and there's no room to move up the triangle of needs, <laughs> mm-hmm. the hierarchy yeah. of needs. Yeah. So it, it is a struggle that way for me. So I just take bits and pieces where I can get them. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to come back to that question because you said you wanted perspective yes. um, and so I guess it wasn't a question but you said you wanted perspective on like how you're doing yeah how do you think you're doing like do you uh the last couple of weeks I don't think I'm doing very well um I have found it really hard to look after myself so self-care has been really really t- tough Um, but it's hard because I also don't feel like I don't feel rock bottom and I think without the Reiki and all of that stuff that I would feel rock bottom okay so I don't feel rock bottom but I do feel that I'm exhausted from having challenge after challenge after challenge because that's how it feels to me is that it's just been one challenge after another and after so many years of feeling like that's your constant, it just, it wears you down and it makes you tired and you don't have, like, I don't have the energy or interest anymore to even research treatments for depression because I'm tired of it. I know. Right? Like, so it's, it's just those things that I have found that wore me down to now where, you know, I'm not really a mental health advocate anymore because I'm not up on the research because... I don't have, I don't have the interest or time. I'm trying to stay alive. <laughs> right. So, okay. So there's some things that clearly drain your energy. So that's not 
like you can't do more of those things, but you are surviving and you're not rock bottom. Right. So what is it that you're doing? And I think you've already said this, but what is it that you're doing that gives you energy, like good, healthy, nurturing energy that means you can take that next step? Like what are the random things, anything? Like what are the things that give you energy? Um, being in the river. Yeah. That gives me energy. Um, being with my dogs. Yeah. The other thing I noticed that is giving me energy that I did not expect. So it was very surprising is standing up for myself and speaking my mind. I didn't really realize how empowering that is. Do you, I just can't hold back. (laughs) Do you not see the parallels between like stress is the same energy, all of that, like the, the, the adrenaline that happens, like that acute stress reaction is adrenaline. It's like, it's cortisol. It's like all that stress system. It's the exact same thing that happens during empowerment. Like that is empowerment is that like, that is like, we get powerful so we can, yes. It feels different though. I know it does. Because when it has more of the negative lens, it's like, oh, this is so uncomfortable and awful and gross. Get away from me. Whereas when you're feeling empowered, you know, I almost kind of thought, wait, am I having a little power trip here? Because I don't think I should feel this good about standing up for myself, right? Mm -hmm. Or what I believe in or whatever the situation was. Right. But there's like a whole lot in between that. That feels gross. And wow, this feels amazing. And if we can get through that, like we have to walk through that discomfort in order to get to that part. And so you are doing that. Like you just said, you get power from standing up for yourself. You also said that those acute stress reactions are happening when you haven't stood up for yourself or you've gone overboard and like let it all out, right? So like you are playing with this space right now of energy. Yes. I guess hard to manage. That's a good point. I do like looking at it that way that that's easier to digest for sure. Because it is a lot of continuum. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's easy. Like, we're not no. even getting to how to manage this. But the, I just, I feel like that's what it is. Like, it's yeah. the same space. It's still growth. Yes. Growth is extremely uncomfortable. And yeah. a lot of epiphanies and reflections uh, that I've had are about myself and my behavior and what I've done and what I haven't done and how my life has been. And so... It's really reflecting on who you are as a person and who you want to be. And so that can bring up a lot of gross stuff you don't want to deal with or that you didn't even know that you had. Yeah. I mean, half the stuff I don't even know. I'm like, why am I so angry? You know, and then sit and think about it and I can boil it down to, like I told you before, patterns. Yeah. Can you tell me more about how, when you stood up for yourself and you got energy from that, what was the situation? That you, do you have an example in mind? Um, let me think of one. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I have an example in mind. It's not very nice, but, um, it's okay. It's okay though. Uh, cause it's true. It is true. Um, so because I am disabled and on a low fixed disability income, the bank was giving me a really hard time and wouldn't let me have a mortgage on my house. Um, 
And so I was very, very, very privileged and fortunate that my uncle was willing to co-sign so that I'm able to keep the house with my senior dogs and, and all of that and um, have shelter, which is great. And so at the bank, um, I met with a representative um, to go over the information and refinance. And um, one of the things I had mentioned uh, in that session was that, you know, you guys have no products for persons with disabilities. You have no special wow. rates for persons in, you know, socioeconomic difficulty who don't have any opportunity to get out of that on their own. So it right. keeps them there. And I said, also, I said, you can send my application through to your credit, whatever. And I said, that's fine. If they don't approve it, I'll just take my business elsewhere done yeah I'm not putting up with bullshit from industry anymore I am so tired of it so tired of it and it's so frustrating because I have no idea how people live in this state and I would be considered privileged person because I actually I have long-term disability coverage I know and just so people understand what that is Long-term disability coverage is a percentage of the salary that you had when you were working. So if you did not have a very high salary, you have a very low disability income to live off of. Yeah. That puts everything else in your life in jeopardy. Yeah. Like I can't afford to buy a gym membership. Yeah. Right? Like, there, which is okay. Like, yes, I can work out at home. There's always, I can find a solution. It's not the problem. I know you can. You can. Stress to do that and the willpower and stuff to do that is so much more than if society could just be like, look, we understand persons with disabilities have um, some trouble financially. And so we have these types of services or products, but it was literally just like, I don't have patience. If you guys don't want to improve me, I'll go somewhere else. Like I don't have time to play these games anymore with government, with banks, with whoever I'm just done. And I just, Unfortunately, I'm to the point where I don't give a shit and that probably comes off really shitty to people that don't know me, but I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm just literally so fed up with the system, the way it's designed and keeps people who are down. It just keeps them down. I know. So tell me the moment where it felt like energizing in that whole interaction that you had like because you said that there was like a point where you're like am I on a power trip like what what happened that made you feel that way like what exactly can you remember the the point I think it's more because like I didn't know the person or had met them before that I was dealing with and I was like you know am I too power trippy because I feel it so intensely because Mm -hmm. when I said like well then you don't have to approve me and you don't even have to give me a good rate if you don't want I'll take my business elsewhere I've got other mortgage brokers, like no problem, no skin off my back. That's what felt most empowering was I don't need you. Right. I can find somebody else to help me. And if you don't want to do it, have a nice day later. I'm done with not being helped. Done with playing the games. Cause as soon as you go to, if you become, unfortunately, if you become disabled and you go to your bank and you tell them that you're struggling, well, any credit that you have with them, they jack your rates. They all go up. Right. So again, you uh, had, this would, would also be a psychosocial conflict. Yep. Right. Something was going on. 
you had like maybe a two out of 10 reaction to that, not a 12 out of 10? Or would it be maybe a little higher even? Higher, yeah. I would say probably five or six out of 10. Okay. And like then I did, but it wasn't a bad one. It was a good one. Right. Right. Because you actually said the things that you needed to say. Correct. I didn't repress what I was feeling. Right. So is it possible that the repression is what pushes it into the 12 zone? Yes, that's entirely possible. Okay. Because I don't feel safe or secure in expressing what I want to express because I'm probably scared of losing that person. Right, because you need them, whereas here you didn't need her. I don't need her. She's not intimately involved in my life. But the very, very few people I have intimately involved in my life, that's where it comes in because I value them so much that and value how they are with me and that they're important to me, then I also place that value on their words and what they say. Right. So there's a need to stand up for yourself Yeah. and say things like that's clear for you, right? That's one thing you've learned through this last, yeah, last couple of weeks yeah. chapter. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a need to stand up for yourself, but mm-hmm. there's maybe there's uh, strategies around how to do that effectively yeah. so that you don't, push yourself into a zone where you fear you're going to lose this relationship with that person. Mm -hmm. Would that, does that sound right? It does. However, the view I'm trying to take is that it's okay to lose the relationship with that person because it's entirely possible that that relationship is not healthy. Mm -hmm. And so I have to be mindful of that and, and know that, I have the strength to be on my own. It doesn't matter who is going to be in my life or who isn't. And it's trying to find that. It's trying to remember that. It's trying to cultivate that so that I have that inner strength because that's what I want. And then then I won't be so devastated by allowing people into my life if they don't stay. Yeah. How does that feel when you say that? It's hard because I feel lost very intensely. And so the other realization I've had this last year is that, yes, I've totally socially isolated myself, but for many, 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 many years, I thought I was doing it to protect myself so that I wouldn't get hurt by conflict with people because I can't handle it, Um, only to discover really in the last year or two that I'm not protecting myself at all. I'm actually protecting people from me. Right. Because I know how it feels to be hurt. And I don't ever, ever, ever want to do that to anybody because it kills me. Mm-hmm. And so it's better for people not to be involved in my life and not care about me. So that's why I was social isolating, socially isolating. Mm-hmm. So that was how are you a feeling? big epiphany. Yeah. What's, what's, what emotions are going on right now as you say that to me? Well, it's kind of sad, really. Because the only person I've really hurt is myself and family members or anybody who actually loves me and I don't allow them to, to love me, right? I, I'm the one denying myself that connection. Nobody else is doing it. It's me creating the situation where I don't need anybody, right? No. Ah, I can do this on my own. I don't need anybody. <laughs> not, not true. Not right. true. Well, good thing you're only 43, it's a good thing. <laughs> it's a good thing I have so much time left. 
Because it's a lot of shit to work out. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I mean, it's just a process, just like everything else. And like you said, you have to, you have to grow through it. You can't avoid it. You, you have to go through it. I can't stress it enough. Avoiding and distraction are the worst coping mechanisms ever. They're ideal in the short term, but in the long term, they really just make a mess. I'm glad you qualified that because I think that's so true. Like they are effective in the short term. Yeah, and yeah. when we are, don't have skills and, and when we're in a different survival state, sometimes we've got to do that. But long term, they, they wreak havoc on us oh, and on our mental health. Exponentially, really. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I still want to talk a bit more about what gives you energy because, oh, yeah. uh, so standing up for yourself, yeah. um, I mean, that's a, yeah. Okay. What else? Is there anything else? So I reflected and realized the other day that I was like, when did I feel strong? When was the last time I felt like strong mentally, physically? Like I felt like I'm okay. You know, like I, I feel strength within me. When was the last time? And the last time was when I was doing, uh, um, not occupational therapy, but and it's not physiotherapy, it's physical therapy, essentially, um, for my um, rehab when I was on LTD. So I was going to a very tiny um, gym three times a week. And I recall, I think I had maybe done it for about two, two, two months, maybe three months straight, and then they cut me off the program. Mm. Um, but I do recall remembering that, oh, I actually you know, I feel like I'm mentally stronger because I physically feel a bit stronger. Mm-hmm. So what was it about that situation that, um, that you particularly liked? Like, was it the, just the strength training or the people who are helping you, the space where you were at the time you went, like what elements did you like? So the elements I liked is that I had to go because I wasn't paying for it. Insurance was paying for it. And if you don't go, you don't get to keep going, obviously. So that forced my accountability. Okay. Um, The people that were there that were, they were nice and good if I had a question, but everything I did was on my own. Um, I liked that the space was very small. I liked that there wasn't a lot of people in the space. And I also liked that everybody else was at their own level of ability and I mean, not normal going to the weight or weight room. Like I just mean people who are actually trying to physically recover from physical injuries, like physical rehab. And so learning those exercises, because it's not like I, w- I wasn't going there doing weights. There were other things I could do. Yeah. Right. That would develop strength. Um, but I didn't need all the equipment kind of thing. And so. Right. I just felt strong as like an individual. I felt independent. I felt, okay, I'm somewhat confident in myself. Maybe I can make decent decisions for myself. Maybe I don't have to second guess everything I do, you know? And so it was just more a bit of a clarity. Um, mm-hmm. It was just a feeling of clarity, and, but it's a feeling of strength. And it's that feeling of empowerment again mm-hmm. is, is more what it was. And so I want to try to, to find that again and add more of that into my life because I think that would give me a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And do you think that program? Hearing, yeah, pardon me. I was just going to say, do you think that program would be available to you now being on permanent disability? No. Okay. No. Okay. Well, then we'll have to engage your great critical thinking and analytical skills in order to figure out how we can um, mimic that. Oh, I've already got it. I just haven't yeah? implemented it yet. <laughs> okay. So you need I'm the accountability. It threw me off. <laughs> yeah. But I was headed that way. <laughs> I know. Um, okay. What, what, you being were going to say nature, something else. Being in nature energizes yeah. me. Listening to nature energizes me. Being with animals energizes me. Gardening energizes me. And even sometimes just completely relaxing in the fresh air and a bit of sun uh, I find energizing as well. In a different way, it's like a calming energy. Yeah. But it, still, it still feels good. Yeah. It fills up your cup. And I always feel good if I can help somebody that's having a hard time. Well, good thing we're recording this session so that yes. lots of people can watch it. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, not terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think humor also gives you energy sometimes? Because you always bring humor into stuff. Honestly, I have to or I wouldn't be alive today. I know. You got to laugh at the shitty stuff that happens in your life, especially when it feels like it's perpetual <laughs> and just never ending. Um, you have to have humor. You have to. I do anyway, or I can't get through because that's how I've had to deal with the depression and social awkwardness and, and all of those things is humor helps a lot. Mm. So yeah, it does energize me, even though it's sometimes self-deprecating. Yes, I know. <laughs> the double-edged sword. That's right. Um, okay, so we've, um, we've been talking for... Um, almost an well about an hour now and I wanted to check in and see how you feel um how you feel right now compared to when we first started talking I feel lighter for having gotten some things off my chest for sure okay um I'm thinking a lot because I'm also thinking of like all the different perspectives that you brought up and things that you mentioned and so I'm you know, kind of processing all of that as well. Yeah. But I do overall generally feel lighter than when we first started. I don't feel as burdened maybe as maybe I did an hour ago by holding it all in. Okay. Yeah. What and is your... And we have a good connection. So that also energizes me when I can connect with like-minded individuals or people that can help me see other perspectives mm -hmm. I like learning through other people so mm -hmm. um that's good to hear I mean that's my sense with you is that you do get energy from these conversations and um I mean I always do worry if it's too much for you and I'm always trying to like check in but I even maybe if it is at the beginning, I think at the end, it's, it's It might better. be too much, but even if it's too much, that's okay. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because it still has to be worked through, whether it's too much yeah. or not, 
or not very much at all. It doesn't matter. It's just the intensity and the weight that's put on it, right? And some things are way heavier and harder to cope with than other things. Yeah. Yeah. That's just normal, I think. Yeah. Um, so that's how you feel. What is your intuition telling you about uh, what you want to do now? Like, is this enough? Is this just like, okay, it's great to talk, but, or is there an intuition with something that you want to follow up on with what we've talked about? That's a good question. Well, I'm pretty curious to see if I can maintain the, if, see if I can explore um, the area of how that acute stress response is on a continuum of version of the empowerment and trying to view it that way to see if that lessens my <clears throat> stress response during those times. But I also think too that expressing myself and um, saying what I feel I need to say instead of holding it in um, is happening a lot more frequently. So I also would like to work on that some too. So, cause I think, like you said, they're all interconnected in some way, which I understand is just, I can't do all of it at one time. I have to parse out <laughs> a piece mm -hmm. and, and see about that. So, but I'm curious to see if I can shift my perspective on the acute stress reaction. So if you, yeah, that's a, I'm, I like that you've pulled that out as a, something to be curious about. Um, related to that is this expression. Like, I, you know, I've always said you need to be expressing, like you need to share your story. Like I'm, I'm constantly wanting to see you express this mm -hmm. um, publicly or not or whatever. Like mm -hmm. I, I think generally people can express more than they do. Is there a way that you can imagine um, expressing rather than suppressing that is not just like directed at the other person. Yeah. Like, that doesn't feel comfortable. Like how else can you express? So I've been <clears throat> mulling that around in my head. And I think some things that I would, that, that I feel I could maybe be comfortable trying would be uh, writing. Mm -hmm. And the other thought I had intuitive or not the other day was like well if I'm have that much of a hard time socially then if the only way I could interact with the world is via YouTube channel <laughs> I could probably I could probably swing that because that's I can tell my story and then I can deal with any negativity offline on my own and uh if there is any, hopefully there wouldn't be, but you never know. And I'm sensitive to those things. So I know, so I, but I was thinking of that. So uh, the, when you said writing, you said it very matter of factly, it was the logical, like, yeah, you could write. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, when you start talking about the YouTube thing, you got to smile before you even started sharing it and saying it. And right now I can see the smile and there's something about that. That's like tickling you. So because I think, I think that that's the most efficient medium to use to get a message out to people. Mm -hmm. And because it's free and most people have access to the internet, then that's the easiest way I could see to be able to get to help somebody that might need help without actually me going out and physically trying to find somebody to help, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's what, and writing is the same as well. 
it's just I haven't written in a long time. So, but it, but it, I was considering doing both, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, what if uh, it was something, what if there's a, a different twist to both of those? So one is the YouTube could be the final product, but what if like, regardless of like YouTube or how you share it, what if you just capture yourself expressing? Like you, you have a phone that records video. Mm-hmm. Could you just like find your space after whatever's going on? You find a space and you're just like, Jesus fucking Christ. And like, <laughs> you know, go say whatever it is you need to say uncensored. Just like record it. Who cares? Like, don't worry about what you're going to do with it. But just yeah. start with that first. Mm-hmm. Uncensored. Um, and then see that that piece could get transcribed like yeah. there's transcribing software like it could come become a written piece or whatever or it doesn't have to it can become a youtube video it can become um uh audio for a podcast like it can do so many things but the first thing you need to do i think if you if you're interested is like express it but then capture it so that you could use it if you want to to help people in the future yeah it would probably be pretty cathartic to do it that way. Ah, uh, yeah, I bet. Because <laughs> I, I mean, I do, I really do feel things quite intensely. So the reaction is intense usually on my part, initially anyway. So yeah, I, th- I don't think it's a bad idea. And I think that that's a safer way for, safer way for me to approach it, um, to make me feel safer in that, yeah, I could do that. And then it would give me a better perspective on, on, okay, well, did I feel empowered then? Or actually, did I feel terrified? Yeah. And which way was I going with that? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so had I looked at it, if I looked at it from the other perspective, could I have felt that too? Like, was yeah. I defaulting the negative reaction just because of habit? So this yeah, is there's amazing. Lots, there's lots this of is things. you using your analytical skills like after the fact once you've come out of it because when you're after the fact if you don't have it to look back on it's hard to really know what was going on but if you can look back to it after you've recovered you can see and then yeah maybe you can figure out like where's the point that I need to do the work or whatever it is yeah for sure I think that's definitely doable and also too because that's not as overwhelming because it'd be like a five or six minute chunk it wouldn't be like a whole huge long life story or whatever because I don't want to do that I actually just want like five to ten minute chunks because yeah people don't have time and really if you get to the point that's all you need yep the one thing I'm going to suggest though is that when you're doing this you're doing it for the moment I really don't want you to think about sharing with other people yet yeah because that's going to impose a censorship yep and let's just get a few like if you could do like three, four, five of these or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then let me know how it goes Or Even after you've done two or, it, you know, whenever you have a like epiphany around it, let me know, but yep. get a couple done and then we can talk about that. But don't, don't think about the sharing. Okay. That's for later. That's like, you know, a separate step. It's the separate step. And like, to be honest, some of this might be great content and some of it might be crap. Yep. And so we don't need to worry about that. So it's just, it's part of the process to get to that eventual whatever. Yeah, I have no doubts that you're going to be sharing your story. You already are. Like you're, you, you're going to have great content to share and great experiences to share and all that. You're going to help people. You already are. That's, this is for you right now. Yep. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a great suggestion. So yeah, I can definitely commit to um, trying to do that and see how it goes for sure. Okay. I just have to remember to record myself when I get really upset. <laughs> well, you know, but don't be hard on yourself. That's This is another point where you could be hard on yourself. If yes. something happens and you remember to record after, yes. that's fine. The mm-hmm. next time you'll, re- you'll remember in the middle and then the time after that you'll record before. Exactly. So this is also these steps that are necessary. So do not be hard on yourself yeah. if you don't remember to record that first time. Yeah. As long as the memory, the thought comes up any point after that, that's success. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Okay. Because it changes the default that I normally go to. So, yep. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Final thought. How do you feel? I feel good. I feel better than I did when we started. So, like, with respect to how I feel about myself and all of that. And also, too, it's nice just to have somebody to talk to that is understanding and compassionate and non-judgmental. The non-judgment is huge for me. Yeah, I know. So, yeah. So, no, I really, I appreciate it. I always love our conversations. So I always learn a lot about myself and and you. And it's just, it's more growth, which, which even though I find extremely uncomfortable, I really like it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it is, I think, easier. I think you would agree, easier when you at least are doing it with someone else and we're not stuck in our head. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Because we can get off track very easily that way. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing all of this as per usual. Um, <laughs> My pleasure, I, I think. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll check in. Um, we should we should do this regularly. Yeah, sure. If you're open to it. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, this was, it was great talking to you, obviously, um, I'm, you know, obviously I always want to help you, you know, that, <laughs> um, and you know, I, it's, that's there. Um, and then I also do want to help you sharing this with others. And I know that you're also wanting to share it and that this feeds into like so many other pieces of, you know, how we can help the world together. <laughs> yeah, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. For sure. I just wanted to end with something else to put out there so Don is not with us this is a separate recording but I just wanted to let people know that Don actually uh, does have a lot of financial uh, troubles given the fact that she's on permanent disability and she did start a uh, PayPal campaign uh, like a, a fundraising mission basically to try and get extra money in non-traditional ways that could help her and she talks about some of the things that she needs to do. Uh, she has senior dogs that who she takes care of, um, you know, some basic transportation needs and, you know, just basic living costs. And if anyone out there wants to support her, you can find the link on the show notes uh, from uh, mandyland.ca and you can find Don's profile there, um, or you can go, I can read it out to you if you want, I don't know if anyone would ever write this down, but it's paypal.me slash pools, which is P-O-O-L-S slash C 
slash eight C as in the letter C and then slash eight G W capital K small M seven eight E capital Z X. I don't know if those capitals matter, but anyway, probably easier just to find the link on our website. But uh, if you at all found this helpful or any of the conversations with Don helpful and you think more people should hear about it and you want to say thank you to Don, then please con- consider contributing, whether it's $5 or $10 or 50 or 100 or whatever it is you feel like you can contribute. It would be much appreciated from a fr- financial perspective, but also as a way of uh, letting Don know that uh, people are listening and people care and people think this is an important conversation to share. So thank you again for listening.